0: Chad and John the two man power trip that's uh that's an awesome uh, name for yourselves good how you doing Chad hey john cool man what's going on we ready to go or what
1: okay this is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Scotty Riggs, and you're listening to the two man power trip of wrestling.
2: Hey, man, what's up, guys? This is
0: Homicide.
1: Oh, that's my homie, Homicide What a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two man power trip of wrestling.
0: Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me.
1: World. I love oh my it. God! What? What in the world is this?
2: This is the two-man it. power know, trip of wrestling brought to you today, and powered by Meowbox. Meowbox is a monthly cat subscription box service full of surprises and delivered to your door every single month. And please be sure to stay tuned a little bit later on in the show for a special promotion just for the listeners of the two-man power trip of wrestling, courtesy of Meowbox and Meowbox.com. And with that being said, we want to wish you a great Happy New Year as we welcome you to the final show of 2015 of the two-man power trip of wrestling. As always, my name is Chad, and I will be joined by my partner, Primetime John Paz, very shortly. And if you click the old download button today, you know that we are joined by the legendary Hector Guerrero of the great legendary wrestling family known as the Guerreros. And what a great chat it was with Hector Guerrero, famous for doing so much within the wrestling business, some of it a little bit more infamous when it comes to some characters played But nonetheless, Hector Guerrero is definitely a guy who can go down as being somebody who's worked in nearly every single company that had prime time and major exposure in North America, and actually, you know, worldwide as well. Don't want to uh, leave out some of the global reach of a WWE, which we'll get to, or a WCW. But you want to start at the top. You want to talk about the Guerrero wrestling family. And you think about the unique roles that everybody in that family had. But when you talk wrestling families, obviously a bunch of names come to mind. But John, where would you say that Guerrero wrestling name? And maybe even specifically Hector, where would they kind of rank or where would they rate in terms of some of the greatest families
3: in the history of the wrestling business? Yes, Chad, back again here at the two-man power chip of wrestling And we got another great one on our hands, this time Hector Guerrero from the legendary and iconic Guerrero family. Now first and foremost, talk about family legacies in the wrestling business, and you just talk about some of the most legendary names in the history of the business. You gotta think about the Guerrero family, you know, he definitely... Uh, Hector, you know, obviously is a big part of that lineage, obviously Eddie, Mondo, Chavo Classic, Chavo Jr., so many legendary Guerreros and so many great names, but it gets lumped in with the great family lineage. Of some other legendary families in the wrestling business, like the Hearts, like the Funks, like the Rhodes, and like the McMahon family, and, you know, so many other great families, but I put the Guerreros right there at the top of the list, you mean, know, when you throw Eddie out there, I mean, one of the greatest performers in the history of the business without a shadow of a doubt there, and then, like I said, Chavo Jr., and Chavo Sr., and, of course, Hector, who's such a great worker. And you just think about that family legacy. It's just crazy. And throwing Hector in there and being able to get him as the second Guerrero we've been able to get on the show. Obviously, we had Chavo Jr. on. And if you want, I would check out that episode on the iTunes feed. Just search out Chavo Guerrero and you will thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy that episode. But as far as Hector is concerned, man, think about it. 50 years of experience in the wrestling business. Obviously, his father you know, it's where it all started. It all started with Gory Guerrero and it kind of all, you know, came down from there and he said Gory was the best of the bunch. Obviously Eddie is, you know, arguably the best of the bunch but uh, he said his father was. It's where they all learned their craft, they all learned their trait and they learned it at such a young age and it's crazy to think about it that he's basically, you know, ever since he was a very little boy was learning the business and learning the psychology of the business and you just add it up and equate it up 50 years of wrestling experience you're not gonna find too many guys around that have that many you know that much years of experience and have such a legacy and such a family lineage like Hector Guerrero so it was great not only to talk about uh, Hector and and his career and everything but it also was great to talk about his family and you know get all the inside stories and get all the uh, kind of like the dirt a little bit of, of when they were kids and, you know, some of the backstage stuff and some of the family drama that involved the Guerrero. So that was that was great as well. And like I said, you got to put the Guerrero family at the top of the list of uh, some of the greatest family legacies in the history of the wrestling business.
2: And you talk about the years of experience that Hector Guerrero has and legitimately learning at the breakfast table from his father, the legendary Gory Guerrero. And you think about what Hector's doing today, and you're going to hear a great plug from Hector Guerrero. We really urge you to listen to the plugs. And that is what he is doing now as a pro wrestling consultant. And I think everybody and their mother can play armchair quarterback and really dissect what it is that a wrestling company needs to do to kind of get themselves out of the you know, un- o- under or overwhelming uh, product, or the uh, fact that kind of seems like it's the blind leading the blind and nobody really knows what they're doing anymore. So, why not bring in a guy like Hector Guerrero? Let him be your pro wrestling consultant. And, John, why exactly would you say Hector is the perfect pro wrestling
3: consultant? Now, like I said, with Hector, 50. 50- years of wrestling experience you know you're not gonna find that uh, too often and that's just an amazing amount of knowledge It's amazing you know wealth of information that he has about the wrestling business but you know you think of him he was a great wrestler he had a very long run in the business he legitimately wrestled in every major promotion everywhere all around the world i'm talking about japan puerto rico mexico canada of course all over the united states for all three major promotions wcw ecw for a bit and then obviously the wwf which we will get into in a little bit with the gooker but you just think that he's been wrestling and been wrestling in the big leagues for a very long time like i said stressed enough i mean 50 years of experience is crazy and now he is the wrestling consultant so HectorWrestlingGuerrero.com. Check that out for all your wrestling consulting needs, and he will help you out there. He is literally the world's most perfect wrestling consultant because without, you know, without just talking about the wrestling. I mean, he was obviously an announcer for TNA for a long time. He's been involved in the promoting of the business. He's been involved in the booking of the business. He's been involved with training, coaching, mentoring teaching guys so i mean hector's done it all he is the absolute perfect wrestling consultant because not only like i said was he a great wrestler he's done everything you could possibly do in this business and if you want to learn from the best and if you need to learn anything at all about the wrestling business get out there and contact hector guerrero like I said, pay attention to those plugs and give Hector a
2: call. Hey, if you think you need some help with your promotion or you think you're missing something that you could use a little help with, give Hector Guerrero a buzz. Shoot him an email. He gives you all that information at the end of the show. But we got to talk about it, and that is the infamous Gooker. And, John, I know you and I, we can laugh. Everybody, you know, about a month ago was posting it all over Facebook, the Gooker albeit a joke, albeit, you know, and I mean a joke, not that the person playing it was a joke. I mean, the character, uh, you know, is meant to be more comedy. Uh, but 25 years later, here we are. Gobbly Gooker is still getting talked about, and it's still getting play. I mean, they even brought the uh, the old Gooker costume out uh, to do some things for the dot-com vignettes with uh, The New Day. So the Gooker still on the minds of WWE, but when we talk to Hector Guerrero, he is the man behind the original Gobbly Gooker. And yes, you heard it at the top of the show. You heard the unhatching of the Gobbly Gooker at the Survivor Series in 1990. And I was very honest with him, and I said, and and everybody can kind of roll their eyes when I say it, but it's the truth that it wasn't that bad if you really think about the WWF at that time. And I wasn't just saying it because Hector was on the line with us, but you really got to think about it. It was aimed for the kids, but maybe where it took place was the first part of the Gooker's
3: demise. Yeah, Chad, I mean, he makes a really good point about the Gooker. And kind of how he felt that the Gooker was botched and that they could have done more with it. And and it was kind of uh, over on, on certain markets it was over. Like down in Florida, he was talking about how it was over. But New York, obviously, and Connecticut area, obviously Connecticut where Survivor Series 90 was, it wasn't very over. And, you know, that whole mess of a debut that that was. But he was saying like you can hear on our exclusive YouTube clip, check out the uh, two-man power trip of wrestling and subscribe to us on YouTube and check out that clip there. Great story about how he kind of went out there blindly, literally, and couldn't see what he was doing and and was kind of, you know, in the dark, so to speak, uh, with the character and it's kind of funny and kind of literal that I'm saying that because he literally was blinded by the lights in the arena and you, you get a great story about that, but they kind of dropped the character maybe a little too soon. It was kind of like a San Diego chicken kind of thing where obviously the kids would be into it. They'd be dancing around and stuff. But a lot of the adults booted and didn't like it. And obviously with Survivor Series 90, when you debut in the same time as uh, The Undertaker, people are going to be like, wow, this guy is awesome. And wow, that other debut kind of fell flat and wasn't so much. So just great get Hector side of the story, you know, once and for all. Hear what he thinks about the gooker. Hear what he thinks about uh, Mean Gene and what he had to say about it. We get some great story about Gorilla Monsoon and what, gri- what the uh, gorilla had to say about it. And, of course, the final say, Vince McMahon, what he thought about the gimmick and what the plans were. So, obviously, Hector felt uh, it had legs and it was botched, but, you know, you be uh, your own judge and you judge it for yourself. And you guys enjoy you know, the great part of the interview, which is the WWF stuff and uh, Survivor Series 90 and some of the house shows. And you'll kind of learn, as we did, that he was the gooker more times than we actually imagined. So definitely, definitely stay tuned for that. Because uh, the Gooker was actually over with the kids, but not so much with the adults and probably not so much with a lot of the uh, the fans listening now. But you, I, everyone remembers it. Everyone kind of looks back and kind of laughs at it a little or, or somehow, you know, you get a smile out of looking back at that stuff. So, hey, you know what? This is, what, 25 years later after the Gooker and we're still talking about it and we're still watching the videos and we're still pulling up on YouTube. So, uh definitely check out our YouTube clip while you're on there checking out some uh, old Gooker videos. And you're definitely going to enjoy not only this whole interview, but especially the part where we talk about Hector in the WWF.
2: Yeah, and it's funny. Hector in the WWF. That just doesn't sound right because you would have loved to have actually seen Hector Guerrero wrestle rather than him underneath that gobbledygooker costume. And I will give him credit. He did a hell of a gobble. And that was really good that he really you know took so much into the character and ended up playing it at the Gimmick Battle Royal in two thousand and one, and that's another great story. so please look forward to that and again, we really want to thank everybody for a great two thousand and, 15. and as we look ahead to 2016, we've got some awesome sponsors coming your way. We've got some really cool episodes, including the one-year anniversary show, which if you're listening to this in real time, will be released in one week. And it's a big, big, legendary WWE Hall of Fame guest. So stay tuned. Look forward to that. And, John, before we get it with a little two-man power trip of wrestling business, we want to remind you to hit toprowpress.com, get some exclusive best-ofs, check it out. Hope you like what they're providing by putting some of our older shows on there and kind of repackaged into somewhat of a different format. And, you know, hey, enjoy. If you like what you listen to here, then go over to the toprowpress.com radio network and check out some exclusive best-ofs. And we're going to have some cool stuff headed their way in the early part of the new year. And also, we want to thank them again, meowbox.com. Head on over to there and throw in the checkout box, the code POWERTRIP10 in all capitals. Again, it's POWERTRIP10, and you're going to get 10% off your first monthly box subscription, and that is courtesy of our great friends at Meowbox and meowbox.com. Again, the code is POWERTRIP10, and John... Do what you do, hit them with a little two-man power trip of wrestling business, and tell them a little bit more about Meow Box.
3: Yes, Meow Box, baby. They are the best. They have a little service called One Box Can, where every Meow Box purchased will get you a can of food donated to a shelter cat on your behalf. So that is excellent. Also remember, all edible items are made in the USA or Canada, so you know where your edible items are coming from now if you have a picky cat like mine lucy who uh, has a bit of a special diet you can replace your edible items with toys and surprises which little lucy absolutely loves and that is great of Meowbox. so just remember folks that is meowbox.com promo code powertrip10 for 10% off your first subscription again Mailbox.com promo code POWERTRIP10 for 10% off your first subscription. And now on to some TMPT business. Chad, as you previously mentioned, we are now part of the Top Rope Press family. That's right, top pro, Excuse me, TopRopePress.com and the Top Rope Press Radio Network. We're a part of them and we're giving exclusive best ofs every week on there. So please check us out there and please check out Top Rope Press Dot .com for all your wrestling needs cuz they're the best in the business today. Also, some more TMPT business, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at RastlinPal and at Two Man Power Trip. Also, subscribe to us on YouTube. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while you're on iTunes, check out the feed for past great episodes with the late great American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, Harley Race, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, Sergeant Slaughter, Tully Blanchard, Stan Lariat, Hanson, The Blueprint, Matt Morgan, scotty riggs jerry lynn and so 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 many more so please check us out on itunes don't forget about the website tmptofwrestling.com that is tmptofwrestling.com and speaking of another great sports network that we're associated with check us out every week on the i-95 sports network google it up and check it out that is the i-95 sports network we're bringing best of and exclusives to them as well so please check us out on there always some good stuff now If you're interested in booking Kevin Thorne, a.k.a. Mordecai, a.k.a. Kevin Fertig, please email bookings at tmptofwrestling.com. That is bookings at tmptofwrestling.com. Just remember one thing, he's back out of exile. And if you can, check out the pictures of his transformation because he is looking huge. He's back and he's in great shape. And he wants to bring the bike club to a town near you. So email us for all that booking information on the big man and why you're at it. Go check out the Kevin Thorne page on Pro Wrestling Tees. They're making the greatest t-shirts in the history of the wrestling business. So please go to ProWrestlingTees.com for all your Kevin Thorne t-shirts. And you too can be a member of the bike club. And now, without any further ado, the man who did play the gobbledygooker in the WWF, the man formerly known as Lasertron, the man from the iconic Guerrero wrestling family, the legendary Hector Guerrero. Please enjoy.
4: Well, joining us on the line tonight is somebody who we've been dying to talk to. He's a member of the illustrious Guerrero wrestling family, And man, what can you say about somebody who's been literally in every promotion you could possibly think of, but just a few highlights. He's a former AWA Tag Team Champion, a former AWA Southern Tag Team Champion, an NWA World Junior Champion, and an NWA Florida World Champion. He is the legendary, the man himself, Hector Guerrero. Thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling.
1: Thank you, Chad. Thank you, John. This is a privilege, and always, a, always a privilege to be able to be on the air with. Thank you for being on your show. First, uh, two man power team. That sounds like great. You know, you guys are a power team, and I'm all for that. And <laughs> anytime that uh, you know the fans are listening, it, it's uh, it's a great honor for me to you know to relay the messages that uh, this family has for them.
4: Yeah, it's such an honor for us, and uh, we've actually we've had the opportunity to speak with Chavo. And it's hard to not, you know, go right where we want to go to start off, and that is the Guerrero name itself. And in wrestling, it means so much. And it not only just personifies what wrestling is in the ring, it also means that connection to the fans, and the fans have such a connection to your family, and your family's given so much to the world of professional wrestling. But how, as a Guerrero, do you give back to professional wrestling, not just to the fans but also back to the business after so
1: long i've been giving to it all the time all my life my brain <laughs> that's that's <laughs> what wrestling is all about you know you say that i'm how do i give back I've, I've given it all my god all i got man i gave it my body i gave it my thoughts i gave it my mind every time i've i wrestled uh i wrestled with my heart i give it i give it all i give it all that's you know, I was reading a, uh, a blog from Kurt Angle, and he's talking about how he, uh, you know, when he was about to give up, and then he went home for three months, and then he said he was he was going to give it all he had. And then, you know, and then the rest was history, you know. He won a gold medal, you know, and he won the world. He won the gold medal, and then he came back, and you know, into professional wrestling. And has done so many things in professional wrestling. Well, that's kind of like the way my dad taught all the Guerreros. We, we Whenever we went up to the ring, we gave it all we had. We, you know, it's and then if, if it wasn't good enough for the people, if it wasn't good enough for the promoter, if it wasn't good enough for myself, even my own self, it you know it it I still had that satisfaction that I gave it all I had, and that's been the main thing that I guess we've all had, all Guerrero's have. When we went up in the ring, we we thought about it as the best, uh, the most you know what could I do the best. And then when I did it, that you know I I got I did my best. And then when I did my best, I would come off. Even though promoters sometimes were po'd at me at some, not necessarily the matches, because the matches always came out great. And I got to thank God for that. I'm a, I'm a godly person. I believe in Christ, and he he you know he takes care of me throughout life. And uh, uh, he definitely took care of me in the ring. Believe me, he took care of me many times. Many times I got I got hurt as doing the flights out of the ring. It was so dangerous people don't realize that uh, you know that we use our bodies as torpedoes you know the mexican lucha style and uh but every every one of us uh, from gory who taught us to uh, chapo junior now who's uh, who's you know who's who's holding the name up right now with you know with with what he has which is great and it's very acceptable uh we uh We all give it everything we got. We give it everything we got when we go up into the ring. We give it everything we got like I'm doing this interview with you right now. We do everything we don't do it half you know, halfway. We do it full way. Either you do or you don't. Does that answer your question?
4: Yeah, no, definitely. And of course you mentioned Gory Guerrero, your father, and thinking about how you got into the business in two thousand fifteen, about to be two thousand sixteen and with you debuting in the early 1970s and the evolution of the business being to something that changes year after year has the business evolved to a point that you never would have expected when you professional wrestling as a competitor in you know the early 1970s
1: well yes and no you know i i don't i didn't ever think it would go this way you know I, i'm 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 principal uh, right now in the school system too i'm a teacher too and And that's changed. Teaching has changed so much in the last 10 years in comparison to even 20 years ago. And uh, I see that in wrestling, too. Wrestling has changed, but it it always evolves, and and it does evolve. But you know what? It always comes back. It's like a circle. And if you look at all the mods, and if you look like uh, people, you know how I'm talking about the mods and and, and people, how they dress. I mean, I remember... uh, you know, uh, people telling me that back in the World War, in the World War II era that, the, uh, you know, the men had the uh, bell-bottom pants. Well, when I was growing up, they were bell-bottom pants. And then lately, I saw back about three or four years ago, they were back in style again. So everything, everything has a revolution, and it evolves. And they say it always evolves to better, but it, it always – wrestling still – what it says on the marquee, it says wrestling – you know, it doesn't say circus, it doesn't say uh, soap opera, you know, it doesn't say, uh, I don't know, you know, it doesn't say game, uh, you know, football game. It, no, it's just, it's wrestling. And, uh, and it's, it's always had its own fanatic, you know, following. And it's a big following here in the United States right now, thank God. And uh, a big following in Japan and Mexico and many other places, too, that are just awakening. Europe has always been a big, big thing on, on wrestling. And uh, so, that's. I didn't think it would evolve to this situation, but it'll 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 sort it'll cycle again. It'll cycle every time. It'll always go to wrestling again.
4: Are you are you a fan as a competitor and as somebody who's been on the other side of the business? Are you a fan of how much knowledge there is out there for? You know, just your regular average Joe, even two average Joes that have a podcast. That as we can, cons- you know, we consume wrestling. We take all that information that we hear from, you know, backstage or the dirt sheets or whatever. We run with it. Do you feel there's a little bit too much out there now for the liking of separating a fan versus somebody who thinks they know what's going on in the business?
1: Well, you know, there's always going to be people that think they know everything about the business, and that includes me too, you know, but we don't always know everything. We, we have a, we have a lot, you know, like me, I got all these years. I I started when I was a kid, man. I was learning how to fall in the backyard ring because we had a ring in the backyard and we, and we learned how to do all the lucha drills when we were five, six, seven, eight years old. All of us did, including Eddie too. Eddie was throwing arm drags and doing headlock, you know, takeovers with us when we was, he was a baby. We had him in the ring. So, it's it's something that we grew up in and uh but getting back to your question it you know it just depends on the circumstances of of how how life evolves with us it evolved that you know we we took it we took it seriously and we took it as something we loved because because we learned to love it because we ate it we 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 lived it you know our family was a family that that when we were you know we were mastermind in uh in you know the shows around our around our dinner table at dinner, and it was just the way my dad had us and we would we would enjoy it's not something that even my mother would enjoy. My mom had it, input I remember eating and giving input as a little baby one time. Yeah, how a drop dropkick there? And I'm thinking, and everybody was laughing because he said that. But then my dad says, yeah, he's right. <laughs> so it was real cute, you know, but just everybody was, was a family. And as far as my family goes, and as far as a different thing, that, you know, if it's too much out there, like you say, like you guys, you know, you, you eat it, you live it. Well, that's kind of what I do with God now. I do everything from His Bible and from the word. And, you know, I'm not a religious person, but I am a God person. And I, I, I've i learned that that's the truth, the source of life, you know. And when I finally end up my days, because I'm already 61 years old, when I end up in my days, I'm going to have to give my account for what I did on the earth. And uh, so I, what you guys are doing, with wrestling, I'm doing it, trying to do it now with the Lord. So it, just, it goes, you know, in understanding. But that you guys do that, then you guys like it, because I did it. You know, and you enjoy it, and that's the main thing. Is if you're enjoying what you're doing and what you guys are doing in this podcast, and those that are listening are enjoying wrestling through television, and they're enjoying all the all the brands. I'm talking about WWE, TNA, you know, Ring of Honor, the ones that have been coming out lately, you know, Paragon, all these all these new lucha on the ground. They're great promotions, and there's they're different tastes for every one of us. You know, oh, I don't like that style. Well, I go to this style. Some people like a lucha on the ground. Okay, yeah, but well, people don't like it because of certain things. Okay, so they look at uh, Ring of Honor, you know, you, or you look at TNA, you know. They got Ring TNA. It's got great this da-da-da, You know, their knockouts are great. Wow, yeah, yeah, man, I, I like to see. I like to see the TNA, you know, and I like to see, you know, Kurt Angle and and other people, and you know, then people are brainwashed in in into thinking that they can see other things too. So right, it it's all. It's all how the fan, you guys, and how everybody interprets it. And if you're enjoying it and you're loving it, man, that's that's a, that's a good thing, you know, because that's what it's forced, that's what it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be enjoying.
0: Absolutely, and one of the most enjoyable things about wrestling is almost like the legacy of some of the families that are in the business that have created, you know, such a great product to enjoy. And you think of the hearts, you think of the roads, and, of course, you think of the Guerrero family. And you think of not only yourself, but, you know, Chavo Classic, uh, Mondo, obviously your father, Gory, But the guy that uh, really, really, you know, put the Guerrero name, you know, over the top, uh, in my view, was Eddie Guerrero. And he's probably up there, if not the greatest, you know, at least top three, top five, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Just give me some of your memories of Eddie, and you know, and how good he really, truly was. Because he was, you know, without a doubt, he was one of
1: the best. Yeah, sure. Listen, I'll tell you a lot about Eddie. But first of all, let me tell you who started it all. You got to go to Gory Guerrero, and Gory Guerrero was a brand name in Mexico, a legend in Mexico. He was known as the uh, as the Phoenix Bird, which is El Ave de las Tempestades, the the Bird of the uh, the Tempest Bird. And the reason they called him that, because he created riots. And my dad was not afraid. I've heard stories that he backed down crowds, and um, crowds of people around him trying to come in at him. And he turned around to his fist and went right at him, and they backed off. And I'm talking about hundreds and hundreds of people. And if you know Mexican people, they can be very, very uh, unforgiving and, and, and you know, very, very aggressive. And my dad had such such a respect of him in Mexico that it's very, very you—you you have no idea how big he was because you never saw him, and you would what you saw you saw Eddie, and yes, Eddie has a lot of big but each one of us had our had our moments. I've heard about myself that it, I couldn't have a bad match. You know, there was times even my dad taught us to to wrestle like if we were wrestling with brooms. You know, if we could wrestle with a broom, you could have a you could have a match. So. I've, I've seen Chavo, my brother, oldest brother Chavo, Chavo Classic. Man, I've seen him move the Olympic auditorium in ecstasy. I'm, I'm watching a match between him and Roddy Piper, and, and it was roars. And people would tell you there was no better wrestlers than Roddy Piper and Chavo Guerrero, or not a better match anywhere. And then I've seen matches where Mondo, my brother Mondo would wrestle and be in, in, in matches with maybe, you know, uh, Victor Rivera or other great ones, like, you know, great at that time, you know, and had matches with them. I had matches, great matches with John Tolas, man. At 50 years old, and I was in my youth, and he was keeping up toe-to-toe with me, man. He said, come on, kid, let's go, you know, and he he pound on <laughs> me, and I'd pound back on him, and I loved him, man. It just, I love, you learn to love those guys, and and those are the guys that that you know like my dad eddie yeah eddie yeah i know i'm not going to take his glory away from him no eddie deserves his glory everyone has his glory that's what god put into them you know and uh unfortunately my brother uh left us too soon you know he 38 the lord took him home and that's why it's it's been an impact it was an impact on you what do you think it was an impact on us oh yeah man People have no idea I could, nobody could talk to me for about a year because everybody would say the wrong thing to me. You know they just didn't know the feelings that I had for my brother I just, It was like of all our family members, Eddie and I looked the most alike and uh you can ask Dee malenko and and well Chris Benoit's not here anymore but uh the, you know, you can ask him. Chris uh, Dean used to talk and is, "Hey, you want to see Eddie in twenty years?" And they, they'd look at me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm not twenty years older. Eddie. I was only thirteen years older. But Dean's a Dean's a pretty funny guy, and he's a great wrestler and a great, great hand in any in any promotion. I'm glad WWE has him. Go ahead. That's Absol-
0: balls in absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, Dean and Eddie had, you know, obviously a very classic rivalry, you know, for, for many, many years. And without a doubt, uh, left an imprint. But, you know, if we could go back to, you know, you for a second, because obviously you were a great wrestler, but I wanted to ask you about the, the Lasertron gimmick they had in, you know, the NWA down in uh, Jim Crockett promotions. How did that come about? It was kind of a, you know, an interesting gimmick for you.
1: It was done for the kids. Uh, Dusty... I had talked to Dusty, and when I was working for Crockett Promotions, you know, oh man, I was I was heading. You know, it was uh, you got to understand that when in wrestling, you you're in there, you're you're always competing to try to get the main spots. Because if you get them, the main spots, like the you know main, if you're up there in the semi semis and the main events and the A tour, because he used to have two tours, the A tour and the B tour. The A tour paid really good. The B tour paid so so because it was a smaller show, smaller town, smaller shows, and he had two tours during the week going on. So, so everybody was trying to get to the A tour. So uh, I was, you know, I was doing being Hector Guerrero, Mexican, you know, with Manny Fernandez. Manny turns turns bad with me with Rick Rude, and then you know they go heel on me. So uh, now I'm by myself, you know, and it's really nothing's really happening. They just have me there, and I'm in the Lingo. So I, 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 I was just talking one time to Tim Horner, uh, lightning Tim Horner. And we were talking about it, and I said, Hey, man, I'm thinking about doing this idea. I've seen this laser, laser tag thing, and we had played with it. You know, we used to get together, we used to go out in the woods and play <laughs> each other and have fun with it. So it just came about in my head, and you know, God put that thought in my heart, in my heart and something for the kids, you know, and at that time, these two, they just started with these new cartoons with, uh, you know, Megatron and uh, all these Tron, you know, all these cartoons, uh, the Transformers. So I'm thinking, all right, well, what, what, what would that do? So, you know, laser, 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 laser Tron. So then I, I just, the Lord gave, put that idea in me, and then I started drawing it, and it came out, but, you know, what the what the outfit came out with, and it had the laser tag on it, and uh, and you know, I'd, I'd take it off naturally to wrestle, but uh, once the 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 uniform or you know the the outfit finally finally progressed to what the last part of it was, I loved that outfit. I still have it, as a matter of fact. Hmm. The guy wanted to buy it from me, but uh, no, it's I won't let that go. Not yet. I'll give it to my wife if I pass. You know, she can sell it, make some money hmm. for herself.
0: That is definitely a uh, you know valuable item. There,
1: They're definitely pretty cool. Yeah. You know, they they sell that. You still I got have. about about three of them. Believe me, <laughs> I made <laughs> I made extra ones, and I had and I did laser in Mexico too when I worked went to work for uh, uh, CMLL uh, Paco at that time Paco uh, Alonso uh, Lularo. He said to me, uh, Hector, uh, you know, we want to do this. They wanted to bring back something like Love Machine, you know, something with American, with American colors. And he gave me this uniform with with uh, with wings on it. And he liked the name Lasertron, but he wanted to use it and with a different spelling. So we we came out with Lasertron, which is uh, instead of using a Z, we used an S, double S so with the A L L A S S E R T R N. And it was also for the children, Defender of the Children. So. It was something for the kids. Man, they loved it. And Lasertron got over with the kids. The only reason I didn't continue it was because I was tired of being on the beat tour. <laughs> we were <laughs> big Jimmy Boogie, Jimmy, Jimmy, and I, Jimmy uh, Boogie Woogie, man, and I were the tag. And we were doing, uh, we were doing all the beat tours. Yeah, we were like semis or main events mostly all the time. Most of the times, main events. But once the rock and roll came because they were such you know, they were really high up there and they were using them really good and when they were on the shows on the B tour, man, we had good crowds. Well, we were having good crowds with Lasertron and Boogie too, you know, but not as good like when the when the when the rock and roll came. So the rock and roll came, you know, brought all the teenagers, the teeny boppers. And uh that was awesome because they were they were awesome. No, they're awesome team too, Ricky and Robert, man. They they really, really flourish with that uh, that idea, and you know they're to be reckoned with in in history, man. The Rock and Roll Express.
0: Yeah, and some of those B tours, uh, you know, quote unquote B shows that they were on that drew pretty well because uh, Rock and Roll Express was. Very very popular, you know. With uh, yeah
1: yeah yeah, we had we had some good. Believe me, we had it too. We had good there. We had Bullet Bob with us too, and and uh, uh, Brad Armstrong. And, you know, guys that had passed too, because Brad was a beautiful worker. I loved wrestling Brad when I was a bad guy in in uh, working for Bill Watts. I loved wrestling Brad because our Brad, I knew I knew he could wrestle, and he I wrestled he wrestled me right back. I loved it. It's the guys that you had to. Help them wrestle you that it kind of got old, you know, because they didn't know what to do or you know, they, they froze up. But usually, the guys that know how to wrestle, like the Armstrongs, oh, the Armstrongs are a great family of wrestling, all of them are great wrestlers from the dad, Bob Bullet Bob, all the way down, man. Everybody, man, all the, you know, golly, what a great family that is, too, of wrestlers.
0: It's funny because uh, you're about the you know the tenth person that we've had on that said that they love working with Brad Armstrong and that he was one of the best.
1: Yes, one of the best baby faces and, and you know on the most probably uh, they used to tell me that that I was a very underrated wrestler. Well, he was a very underrated superstar. How about that? I thought they didn't really use him, and he, what it was, he's just a beautiful heart man, and he was so easygoing. People took advantage of him. Promoters took advantage of him. You know. And I was like that until they took advantage of me and I started waking up. (laughs) then I didn't know how to do it anymore, you know. Anyway. Absolutely. Balls on your court. Absolutely. And in WCW in about
0: 1997, I know you wrestled Eddie. Did you bring back the Lasertron gimmick? I remember it was
1: WCW Saturday night. Yes, they did. They did. Uh, This is what uh, uh, Kevin Sullivan did. Kevin was... uh, was was one of the bookers, and he said, "Hector, I want to I want to bring back Lasertron. I can do a lot of things with Lasertron." I said, "Good, yeah, sure, we well, let's do it. I'll bring it back." Sure, man. I play. I did Lasertron with uh, J.L., and he was under a mask. Was Jerry Lynn, and then I did uh, with this Mysterio. I wrestled Mysterio. I loved wrestling Mysterio. My Mysterio was great. That was another like wrestling with Eddie, and Brad Armstrong. Mysterio's like that. He's so easy to. He's so easy to. Uh, Guy for everything, you know. He's so 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 quick, you know, and so fast. He, he's on timing on everything, and the same with Brad, and the same with uh, you know people that I've already mentioned to you. That Eddie, Eddie was like that too. It was there was no comparison when I wrestled Eddie. I said, man, it, I hadn't worked with somebody in such a long time, and I'm working with my brother, and I and it's and it's like, wow, man, I haven't had a guy help me out, you know, in mm. in my match that that can that they can help me out. Because usually when I made mistakes, I made mistakes. And I and in one of my matches, I made a mistake where I went on the middle of the rope so I was going to do a type of head scissor, usually utilizing the middle of the rope. And the ropes were real loose, not loose like tight loose. They were loose like uh, ropes have cable in them. And then over the cable, they put like a, uh, imagine a uh, water hose. So that's, so they the, 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 the cable twisted. Does that make sense? It rolled. Mm-hmm. So that, the, that was the top part. And so when I grabbed it, it rolled on me. Oh, the lady didn't let it go, man. he, he, he grabbed my legs, man, and pulled me back up and made, the, and made the move work. And I was like, wow, man. I hadn't had anybody do that to me in years that would want to help me in my wrestling, you know. And here I got my brother. I'm wrestling my brother. And my brother's helping me in my wrestling. That was like one of the best things in my life, man. Hmm. Never forget that with my brother.
0: Yeah, he yeah uh, definitely we said before he's definitely one of the best and uh, the Guerrero's are excellent excellent workers of course but what was it like wrestling him you know on, on TV you know on Saturday night was was that like a cool experience to be able to wrestle him well you know, you well we both a times.
1: well I wrestled him when we worked out you know when he was working right. out and he was you know, when he was green if you don't understand what I mean by green he wasn't mm-hmm. he wasn't polished yet he was dangerous. And I would tell him that. <laughs> he would look at me, give me that look like, well, what are you saying to me? He said, well, just, you'll learn. <laughs> and then after being in the, in the business for about three or four years, he, t- he called me one day and he says, hey, now I know what you're talking about. <laughs> you, you know, you meet up with somebody that's more greener than you, you know, more newer, what I mean, they're new. And we call them greenhorn, you know, hey, greenhorn, you know, you know, he's green, so hey, the greenhorn. So you, well, you, you what you do is you... you you got to be very careful with them because they don't know. But uh, Eddie, 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 wait, let me let me say, let me say it this way. Eddie ripened really quick. It was so quick for him to ripen. He and he and all of us were green. Not that nobody was green. Everybody's green in the wrestling business. Even promoters are green as promoting. Everybody's green. Even you know broadcasting. Remember when you guys started? You probably were green too. Remember? <laughs> so we're all green. You know. It. It's it just. It's just. Part of life, man. It takes a part of life. But working with Eddie was like one of the joys of my life. And I still remember it now. I still have some of them. So I, do, I do have a lot of the matches at home. You know, I keep I keep them here. And I watch them when I, I get a little down. or Sometimes I I, I, I don't like to watch them because it brings back his memories, and I miss him so much. You know, I guess I'm being a little selfish, you know. He's in God. We've got now. And uh, he's finished his race. And uh, I've I've had I've had communication through a dream now with him and other situations that I I'm not going to talk because they're personal, but he's he's doing fine and he's in he's in heaven. Yes, there is a heaven. You know, there's a hell too, and uh, the only way to heaven is through Christ. Anyway, come on, it, it's it's your it's your ball, ball on your side of the court, buddy.
0: <laughs> well, you know your time there in WCW, I know. It kind of ended uh, abruptly because you know it felt like uh, you know I remember you had matches against uh, Dean Malenko as well, and you mentioned Rey Mysterio. But what was the exit like? Did you you just it out of uh, WCW at that point?
1: Well, you know what I I wanted them I wanted them to commit to me with, with you know with something secure. They wouldn't they wouldn't you know they had all these guys on contract, all the guys from Mexico, but they had me on a you know on a per show basis. Um, you know, they fly me in from Texas. I was in El Paso at that time, and I was married. Got just got. I had barely gotten married to my second wife, and and uh, you know, and I had just got my degree too. I just got a physical education degree in in uh, in at El Paso Community. I'm sorry, at United. I mean, El Paso University of Texas, at El Paso, UTEP, and I got that. Uh, finished it back in that time, ninety six, ninety five, ninety six. So. Uh, they, they, I, I was asking, you know, I wanted to see if they they would, uh, you know, they commit to me, and they wouldn't. And then with the matches they were giving me, they weren't be, give, they weren't giving me very favorable matches, and they weren't be giving me favorable endings. If you understand what I'm trying to say, so I didn't want to be a, I didn't want to be stepping stones to guys that were real greenhorns They didn't even know what they were doing, and then you know they're beating me. So. I said, you know, it's time. It's time to say, time to bow out. They were hurting the Guerrero name, and I didn't want them to hurt the Guerrero name any, anymore. So I, uh, I, I, I gave them an ultimatum. I said, you know what? Do something, or you know, or let me go, or you know, or I'll, I'll, I'll give my, you know, if you guys don't want to, just tell me. And they said, they said, well, we don't have anything for you. I said, well, thank you, good. Now I understand. Thank you very much. Good. They, and I said my goodbyes. And I grabbed Junior and I got Chowell Junior and I got Eddie and I said, Eddie, you see you guys and Junior, you guys protect the name. Because this is a strong name and you know, the Lord's given us this name to protect. And uh, I'm sure Gory and you know, I was talking about my dad and I said, Your our father and your grandpa and I looked at Junior, you know, he he had a good he had a good thing for us and you know, let's let's make keep it a good thing. And you know what they have? They lived up to every bit of that. And you know, a very, very, very Thankful to God for them, first of all, that God's permitted that uh, girl name to go on the way it has and, and the way it has evolved. And then uh, and then I want to thank Eddie and, and Junior for doing the work that they've done because they've done great. And I tell Junior, he's got two kids, you know. And I say, they're going to be wrestlers. He says, no, nah, they're not. Now nah, nah, they're not Uncle Hector. I go, yeah, they will. And he says, why do you say that? He says, because I saw them watching him one time wrestle, and they had the same look we had when we watched our dad. <laughs> So I looked at him and I said, You know, yeah, your boys are gonna be raspers. <laughs> <laughs> it's
4: in the blood to say the least. And it's you in know the what's blood, man, believe here.
1: me man. I could see it I could see it in their eyes, man. I saw it in the I saw it in them and uh I saw it unfortunately when I saw it I was we were in where we was the, the the days right right a the day right after Eddie had passed. And that week and I had been with just, you know, in, in in Arizona, because that's where they had his funeral. And they were showing matches, and I could see them looking at when Junior was, was wrestling, you know, uh, JL, you know, and I'm like, oh, man, that's, and I could see it, and I could see their eyes, and I said, like, yeah, these kids are going to be wrestlers. <laughs> I could see it. Anyway, it's...
4: Yeah, it's, no, well, you know, you, you you say something about the pride, basically, is what was beaming out of you when you're talking to... Chavo Jr. and Eddie as you're exiting WCW. And obviously, even Eddie had his problems in WCW for some of the success that he had seen. But you know, you yourself you mentioned a couple of the tag team partners that you had and you saw a lot of success in the tag team ranks and obviously you've teamed with your brothers, you know, you said you've been teaming with your brothers since basically uh you know, it's a rite of passage. You guys got to team together ever since you're kids, but do you have a favorite tag team partner? Because I'll tell you something, I love the chemistry with you and Jimmy Valiant, and I'm sure Jimmy Valiant is definitely an interesting person to uh work with night in, night out.
1: Man, I had a lot of great partners. I can't say, I can't give you one. If I would give you one, I'd have to say my dad. Because when I tag team with him, it was a learning experience the whole way through. From the beginning, even as we approached the ring, it was a learning experience going up with him, wrestling. He was teaching me as he was wrestling. And on his way out, we would be exiting the ring, even as talking to the fans and and signing autographs. Even through him there, I was still learning and then back home and everything he always taught me. So if there would ever have to be like my favorite tag team partner, you know, it it'd have to be my family. Yeah, naturally, you know, but Jimmy was much my family too, you know. Manny Fernandez is much my family too, you know. And these guys were great tag team partners to myself, you know. When I tagged with Horner and and I was I loved tagging with Horner. I tagged with Brad. I loved tagging with Brad. You know, when I when I when I tagged with Scott Scott Armstrong, I loved tagging with Scott. It was great, great. You know, it was great. Any 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 time tagging with the Armstrongs, it was awesome. You know, and the same with the Guerrero's. But you know, I I can't tell you that I'm not, I didn't like tagging with uh, Jimmy. Heck yeah, man, you better believe it. And I learned from him too. He had a lot of ring showmanship that many would wish to have that few have. How did how does that say? pretty much gym oh, yeah. uh,
4: there. Totally, yeah. And we uh you know, we talked to him and the, the chem you know, the the just the it oozes out of him. The uh you know I'm trying to think the brava- you know, the bravado, the showmanship, everything about his character oozes from him and he was you know, not only successful, you know, as a as a villain, as a bad guy, but he was such a great baby face and he was such a great you know, good guy, but that's another thing that, you know, you yourself, your face, you guys can play both sides of the fence, and do you feel that that's a, lo- a lost art in professional wrestling, that guys are maybe either a good babyface or a good heel, and they can never really be both? It's it's one or the other.
1: Well, you know what? I was, a, I was mostly a babyface, and then uh, when I came to Florida, I turned heel. And this is my my time of turning heel, and and when I turned heel, it made me... Whenever I went back being a, ba- a babyface again, it made me a better babyface. And then when I turned back, to, you know, when I went back and I was a heel in the other places, it made me a better heel. Does that make sense? It just it, it escalated. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. it it You know, I fed off of each side every time, you know. Because when you're a bad guy, you you see a lot of things that you don't see when you're a babyface. Because, you know, you have a different mindset. Then you go being a bad guy... Now you've got the whole different mindset. You see, you see the match in a different. You see, you see the match in a different light, and now you start saying, okay, the ego's is going out a lot because a lot of baby faces. We as baby faces, we start. You know, we start with a lot of ego because we don't. You know, we, we're always trying to be the main guy. We want to want to be the top star, but then when you start being the, the 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 bad guy, you know, you're also being a top star too. Because bad guys are are stars too. But you're more. You make more the match. How's that makes? It? You're more the uh, the that uh, the solid foundation of a of a right. good of a good wrestling match. And if you know how to how to direct it, it's a great match. Usually, heels were the ones that directed. They were the generals in the ring. That's what we call generals. And usually, or it, usually with me, my my model was if he had more experience than me. You know, he wanted to lead, I'd, I'd follow. Naturally, I would put my two cents every once here and there, you know. And that's what right. happened to me in 1978 when I started in California. I had too many veterans there, and I had to, you know, I had to follow what they what they, what they they wanted. But there was a lot of suggestions for me to, during the whole match. I was always suggesting things. And a lot of them, they'd say yes, and, you know, and they'd get the pops. And then they'd say, okay, well, this kid don't, this kid... This kid does not as stupid as he think he is, you know what I mean, or you know what they thought it was, you know. And but uh, but wrestling is a is a it's a philosophy, and uh, it's a chess game, and uh, it's it's lost a lot of it now. The guys I see guys choreograph their matches, and I I just can't see that. And I'm like, uh, it wasn't like that when I when I taught it. I always learned the craft. I always learned how to wrestle, and then from there it developed, and you. You know, you, you 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 grab my top wrist lock. I reverse your top wrist lock and see what you were going to do with that because I'm right behind you. Now, if you can kick out of there and you can, you know, get a, get away from me, good. You know, but I was going to hold on to it until you did a good move for it. You understand? Yep. And that's how it. That's how that's how that's how we we thought about it. You know, and, and there was there was pressures and and I'm talking about not. There's both pressures, physical pressures of, of trying to you know trying to perform correctly, but also you know personal pressures inside that you when you grab a headlock you grab it solid you know you're gonna you know you're gonna feel me a little bit until you know what I'm here I'm real, you know and 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 that's 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 something that I learned I learned uh, through my father, you know and I learned it not to be uh, crowbars as some guys would say but no no but you know the to be solid. And uh, a wrestle very very wrestleable. How can I say that word? Very very uh, that people would like to wrestle with you. And the only way to do it, that is by being you know being a great wrestler and really knowing what you're doing in the ring, and then making what the other guy does make look make it even look better, and then making yourself look better at the same time when you're doing stuff with him. And not trying to eat them, but complement each other. And when you get something like that, then you get matches like what I was telling you about, Dean Malenko and and, and Eddie Guerrero, uh, Chavo Guerrero Sr. versus Roddy Piper, you know, Mondo and uh, and uh, Victor Rivera and others that Mondo would have great matches with. And me and, you know, Victor or Roddy, because I I get a chance to wrestle those guys too, you know. Moondog Bane, man. I wrestled Moondog Bane many times in California. I wrestled him his last match before he passed away. It was very, very heartbreaking for me.
4: Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's a lost art across the board, and that's why what you guys have done in your career, you know, the Guerrero family, but not only that, but just your era, you know, your era of superstars, as you put it before, you know, you guys are really, you guys are the key holders to the great workmanship of a professional wrestling match, and being choreographed, it's very obvious just from a fan's perspective sometimes that it's way too rehearsed, but let's just move ahead slightly if we can, and that is, you know, talk something a little more cartoony and jokey, and, you know, we mentioned doing stuff for the kids, and obviously, you know, we have to mention it only because it's such a big thing when you look back, and that is The Gobbley Gooker was 25 years ago this past <laughs> this past November. I hate to do it with all the other great stuff you've done in your career, but just to be comprehensive and, and follow it up, how did The Gobbly Gooker story come about with you being approached, you know, to be this character, and obviously you said laser trauma, so successful did you think that this might have been another opportunity at that or did you see it more as a uh, as a short-term thing
1: well you know what when before the they called me for the gobbledygooker i had tried getting in touch with new york and you know i'm talking at that time it was wwf so i was trying to get in touch with you know with, with wwf at that time and uh... i tried several times nobody would take my calls one time I got a certain number, and he said, try this number from a personal guy, one of the wrestlers there, and I, I won't say his name so he won't get in trouble. But uh, <laughs> I got that number, and a certain person that was one of the agents answered the phone, and I said, who is this? And I said, this is Hector Guerrero. And I said, who gave you this number? And I said, well, I got it, but uh, you know, I'd like to know if uh, there'd be a policy. Don't you ever, ever call this. Don't ever call us again. And hung up on me, and I said, wow. So then I told myself. That's it. I ain't doing nothing for this company, nothing at all. So at that time, uh, I started getting calls, and my, I was married to my first wife. And she says, hey, man, it's WWF. I go, really? What do they want? They say they want to talk to you. I says, hang up. So they'd hang, she'd hang it up. She'd come and talk to me, try to talk me into it. I said, no, you know what, no. They were, they were very nasty, very unpopular, very, very stupid with me. So that must have been about four or five calls within about two or three weeks. Finally I the the phone rang and I happened to answer it, so I answer it. And I, and then and then they said, Hector Guerrero, I go, Yes. I says is this Hector Guerrero? I go, yes. He says, don't hang up, This is, uh, Vince would like to talk to you. <laughs> so I go, who? Vince McMahon would like to talk to you. So I talked to Vince, and I said, all right. And well, then he said, you know, hey, I'm uh, sorry about the dis- understand, misunderstandings before, blah, 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 blah. We, you gave me the whole idea that you want to do uh, something like the San Diego chicken and crack it out of an egg at Survivor Series and call it egg sighting, you know, like EGG egg so So uh, interesting because my brother... Eddie used to used to call him Egg because he was Eddie Gory Guerrero, so egg so interesting. But that's uh, uh going back to the gobbledygooker, so that's how it got. But it was done for the, it was made for the children. Now they did, they did it over there in what was it, Jersey I think, or I can't remember where it was. Uh, sure, Hartford, whatever.
4: Connecticut.
1: There it is, Hartford, Connecticut. I keep forgetting that. You know, I remember the town but I remember the, the town was very unforgiving too. As soon as I cracked out of that egg, they were booing, man. I mean, booing. Now, the kids were yelling. I could hear some of the kids yelling, but the boos were more than the kids. So it was uh, it was, it's immediately, you know, and then Gene was trying to, you know, work it up. As a matter of fact, when I got down and he put down the mic, after we had a little lingo we did, I said to him, Gene, is he taking it? He says, well, he says, we said, Hector, we got to get it over. Let's get it over. We're going to get it over. And I said, all right, let's do it. So uh, Gene Okerlund, man, he, he just we well made our way to the ring, and he you know he tried to follow me up, and he, he he fell in the ropes, and he tried to do the things that I was trying to do, and he couldn't do them, you know, and this and that. And he did that, you know, to try to get it over. Well, the next day he was black and blue. I heard. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's that's how good Gene Gene you know me and Gene was. He's he's a he's a he's a player, man, a great guy. Anyway, but uh, they looked at it in a, as a frown, as of that. I came back into the dressing room. I mean, dressing room. and They were like looking at me all down, like, "Whoa, that didn't go good." And I said, "Well, <laughs> it's not me. They booed it from the moment it cracked out. It's not my fault. <laughs> this is probably, you know, what if I would have known that that's the type of crowd that was in Hartford, Connecticut, I would have, I wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't have done it. I didn't know his, I didn't know his territory." You know, but he knew his territory, and he should have known that if you're going to do something for kids, maybe you want to do it maybe in Orlando. You know what? When we did it in Orlando, it got over. You know what I mean by saying the word over, right? It got over yep. like gangbusters. It was over. The kids were screaming. The the crowd was screaming. You know, I got up there. I did the turkey and the straw, the hat, the zine. I got a kid up in the ring with me. They loved it, man. They were so welcome Gobly Gooper to the to the war WWF. They had their little signs out, man. I'm I'm telling you, it was a great thing. You know?
4: Yeah. And There's I'll tell you thing. and I'm gonna be very diplomatic when I say this, and I'm not just saying this because you're on the phone. But as a younger fan at that point, was it the worst thing? No. And I'll tell you that only because I was a very young fan, <laughs> like you're saying. But it was also <laughs> the fact they built it up for weeks and weeks and weeks to maybe it being a returning guy. Maybe it was going to they even say it on TV. Oh, it could be, you know, or it's going to be this, it's going to be that. So I think for a Northeastern crowd, really quite cynical and always needing that instant gratification of needing that big surprise or the big shock, it definitely was a shock, but maybe in the opposite uh, capacity. But like I said, as a younger fan, it definitely wasn't the worst thing you had seen at that point but like you said you went to television tapings and it was over so when you did when did they decide to scrap it after you did do a couple other you know some tv pre-tapes and then you did well, some we well did,
1: we did we did about 6 or 7 shows later i did one in new york and they were going to showcase the Gooker that night at the madison square garden but uh they never we never rehearsed it we just did it with me, because I could do it really good, you know they were already they knew that I could do the routine, but they were going to turn off all the lights and then shine me with a with a with a white bright light with a spotlight all the way up to the ring, and I said, "Okay, no problem, but we didn't try it, so what happened was when they turned off all the lights and they put that bright light on me, i couldn't see anything. all <laughs> I could see was white
0: <laughs>
1: so I was blind, bro oh, And man, these guys are terrible. pushing me and shoving me. You understand the guys behind and the curtains there you're on, man, you're on, go, go, and I'm trying to tell them, I can't see, I can't see, and they're shoving me, man, and I'm tripping over the wires, so I, I'm already out, and the, I could hear the people screaming, so I oh, my God, I'm already out, and I could, all I could see is white, and so I started, I, start, I don't even know, I kind of felt the, the, the ring, the ring uh, what do you call it, the, the TV wires, and I could feel them that way, so I started feeling with my foot all the way there, I finally feel the ring, and I'm, I'm, I started looking for the steps, i can 't see anything all I can see is white i I try to go up the steps and i and I you know I skin my knee i' I'm, I'm, I skin my shin i 'm bleeding now you know i 'm hurt. I do a flip in all I can see is white. I land on my bottom rear end. I get up and I started. i said, what do I do now? I landed on my rear end, you know this is a flop, so I started acting like funny, you know like it hurt my hip and started grabbing my hip and moving my hip you know and acting funny, and then they turn on the lights i 'm talking about the they took that big shiny life file off of me. Finally I can see and now I can see the the arena. So now I do my whole routine and I, I flawless, you know, I did it the whole thing, the whole everything else that was left, I flawlessly did it. They came back in. Boy, I walked into the dress dressing room and I'm looking at and Vince is looking at me. He's not look, he's not happy to look at me. <laughs> he was he was not happy. And he's looking at me, he's giving me very dirty looks and I'm going, Oh my god I wonder if he knows. And uh, I was going to say something about it, but then he walked away. Here comes Gorilla Monsoon. He walks into the door and he looks at me. You couldn't see right?" And I go, "You think?" he says, "Well, we figured it out." <laughs> and then he walked away. So I said, "Man, you know they just you know you don't, you don't we didn't rehearse it, we didn't do it, nothing you just did it on the bang. you know. I'd been doing it on nights without any rehearsal because I could do it, you know, and, and after that, I did it for about another month. And then they just scrapped it. They, they dropped the ball on me. They were giving me some money before it did it. You know, they were, they were giving me a stipend. Then they paid me the days. They paid, they paid me pretty good. I'm not, I wasn't, you know, I, not great, but it was good, you know. And I was happy for what I was doing. And, uh, and, and then they just dropped the ball. I, I had never heard nothing from them. They just dropped the ball. I didn't see my name booked anymore. They dropped the ball. No money, no nothing, man. Then they call me a year later. I'm in Puerto Rico trying to make a living because you know you got to make a living too, bro. Because you know you got to pay bills and you got to eat and you got to live. And uh, so uh, my wife, my ex-wife, then told me that you know they've been trying to call and I was in Puerto Rico and I you know I said, hey, well I'll be back as soon as I can. As soon as I got back, you know, then I got they got in touch with me and said, is this a joke? We've been trying to call you. I said, I'm here now. So then, all of a sudden, you know, they say, well, said, "Well, we'll call you right back." And then they called me right back, and they said, "Well, you know, we're not going to do this anymore." And they and they asked me to, you know, sign their release, which I did. I even gave them back their their gobbledygooker uniform. It didn't matter to me because they, you know, I didn't drop, I didn't drop the ball, brother. You know, with what I'm telling you, I think they dropped the ball, and it wasn't me. I just I was asked to work under very hard circumstances. You know. And they should have known that, and they should have known a good a good promoter and a good good office would understand that, but but not somebody that's not you know well. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say what they are, or what they're not. They probably consider themselves the best, and may it be the, they may it be right now, but uh, there's always a better something around the corner. You've heard that before, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And
0: and it definitely uh, definitely hurts a little bit when you debut on the same show as the Undertaker. Debuts on, so kind of hurts I did, as well. You know,
1: I did, I, I did my best with what, with what I could do. You know, and Gene did too, and we worked through it, and we did the best. Now the kids, you see the kids. If you go look at it, and you look at it, and you see it. The kids are loving it. It's the mm. adults. It's you know it, that's why I say it's the people that booted, it. Like you say, the the crowd that was so expecting to see maybe a Hulk Hogan come out or maybe some brand new diva come out. You know, that's probably probably. I, I, I don't know, you know. Just it should. If it would have been done in, in, uh, I think if it would have been done in Orlando, you know, survival Series would have happened to happen in Orlando. That would have been great because it would have, it would have instantly, you know, look what you have there. You have Disneyland. You have Disney World. You know, you have Universal. It's, 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 it's a family status there. You know. Yep. For sure. And
0: what was it like, you know, for WrestleMania 17, they do the gimmick battle royal. What was it like when they invited you back? Was that, you know, was that awkward well, that at was, all, or did you have any hard feelings about it?
1: No, no, I don't, that's no hard feelings. Look, I don't have any hard feelings about what I just told you either. It just happened, you know. I'm not mad at Vince. Never been mad at Vince. He, didn't, he might look at me differently, you know. I know that. I could tell that. He, at my brother's funeral, he explained, and looked some weird faces this way or there. You know, maybe he didn't even, doesn't even acknowledge me but i've had other other situ- situations understandable you know uh but uh but when i did that uh, wrestlemania eddie was there you know and uh and you know what with the money that i made there i was able to get married to my third wife penny and uh i'm very thankful for that for that for that gig you know it was it was good it was good it was funny because they put me they gave me this gobbledygooker uniform and they had a helmet on it instead of the The mask that I used to have, because I used to have a mask that went over my head and those eyes that were the ones that when they brought the bright lights, I couldn't see. (laughs) 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 They were right next to my eye. They were right over my eyes, you know, and it was like it hugged my my face. It's kind of like the Spider-Man mask, except for the eyes. You know, it was it was they would would bulge out and naturally they were white with, you know, with painted painted black, you know, the black eyes on it. But they had those little holes. That's what I used to see through. That's what when they shone that sh- they when they put that spotlight on me. Well, those whole things just lit up in white, and I couldn't see. I couldn't see worth it with, and nothing. Just all I could see was white. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, it, it was really a lot of fun, and uh, I held on to that. To that, uh, I was hoping uh, they told me make sure it doesn't fall off. I was trying to tell them that, and so they kind of give me the, you know, the the helmet so it had a strap on it. But uh, it, it almost fell off when uh, when Tugboat picked me up because Tugboat picked me up to throw me out of the ring because that was my time to go. And I was holding on to that helmet, man. <laughs> 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 so that's, it was, no, believe me, it was great. I, I really enjoyed it. It was a good time. I, I'm very thankful for the company, for uh, them to, you know, give me that opportunity. It really helped out my life. Balls that's a your good court. from one
0: if uh, so I could go from one, you know, kind of weird gimmick in the Gooker to uh, your TNA run where you were put in with quite a uh, good gimmick and quite an interesting uh, pairing. What was it like, you know, working for TNA and then being a part of LAX? Because that was a pretty hot, uh, you know, hot faction at that point.
1: Yeah, you know, well, LAX, I love, uh, I love Hernandez and, and D. They, they, they're they great homicide. They're great guys, you know. Uh, I really enjoyed working with them. Uh, I I got no... You know, no beefs with them. They just, they great, great times with them. You know, and and uh, now uh, with TNA, you know, God, I'm very respectful for the whole, the whole Carter's. The Carter's are, you know, the head of that. You know, and I'm very, very respectful to Dixie and to, you know, to his father, her father, David. And I'm just very, very, very thankful for the opportunities that were that were, you know, that were given to me. Eight, eight good years of good memories and good traveling and. uh and um, I wish I could have done more for them. I just I didn't. That's maybe my regret that I didn't have an opportunity to you know to pass on what what I could I could have passed on. Maybe they didn't believe in my in my system. But I I, I like I want to right now. If you don't mind, I'd like to uh, plug my uh, I have a I have a consulting business and I have it at my oh. website. Oh if sure. If you don't mind, yeah
0: definitely. It's yeah, uh,
1: definitely. yeah it's uh, HectorWrestlingGuerrero.com. dot com. Hector r Wrestling and the word wrestling and then Guerrero after that G U E W R E R O dot com and I have a consultation tab and uh, I'm there for just consulting you know and uh, helping guys out and if we can come to an agreement I'd love to help anybody that would love to either be promotion or uh, personal wrestlers or you know anything you know I'm I'm pretty much versed in everything since my childhood I've been involved with promotion with my father. And into the ring and out of the ring and uh, almost everything. Now, I really enjoyed getting back to TNA. Really enjoyed working for them and being in the uh, announcers table for the Spanish speaking. I really enjoyed uh, the translations. Uh, my my colleague Willie Urbina, very very high class, uh, high class uh, Hispanic. And he was Puerto Rican, and I'm Mexican. Sometimes, you know, Mexicans and Puerto Ricans don't mix. But you know, Willie and I, we mixed, and uh, we we scratched each other's back. We took care of each other's, and we, you know, we say, you know, we're we're Hispanics, and we pushed the the Hispanic market as Hispanics, not as uh, as him Puerto Rican and me as Mexican. Does that make sense?
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And. And you were a uh, you know you were a commentator there for quite a long time and uh, yeah long you know, time eight years yeah you you know you had a pretty pretty good run there and you know you said you had you had a great time obviously there were some ups and downs you guys went from uh, Spike TV to Destination America and soon to be well, on when they went uh, to
1: Destination TV. America things changed for us because as soon as they went to Destination America. Uh, Everything changed because Spike TV, you know, Spike TV we had, you know, in Spanish. And then Destination America turned out to be that they had their own commentators in Spanish. So they didn't need us anymore because the channel itself, of what I understand, uh, had had its own. This is, this is what's been relayed to me is what I, I understood. and uh, Or they just decided they didn't need to have the Spanish anymore. And uh, the Hispanic market is a very important market. Uh, in in any any Vince tapped into it with my brother, and they started drawing a lot. That's when they drew that big old house in San what was it in um, San Jose when Eddie won the Eddie won the the title from from Brock. Well, you know a lot of that has to do with the a, a Hispanic uh, Hispanic population. Uh, TNA had a we had a great crowd one night in San Antonio, and they they missed uh they missed a. Uh, I, I I hate to say it, but they missed a great opportunity to get a great uh, that night. They had an opportunity with doing something very very big with the Hispanic market, and I, I try to tell them. And my brother Chavo was there, and he said, "Hey man, they missed a big opportunity." I go, "Yeah, I try to tell them." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> certain people you could talk to, certain people you couldn't. You know, they always had a a response for for their philosophies and for what they think, and I I respect that, and I do. Everybody's got it, right, but as we all take our uh, as we all take our chances, we you know we also have to have our consequences that we do. Yeah, and
0: it seems like uh, you know, not saying anything too bad about CNA, but it seems like you know they dropped the ball on a few things and, and could have done a few things you know a little bit differently. Even with going back to LAX, I feel like they were super hot and they could have uh, utilized them a little bit better because they, it was so different at the time. You know, they were they were coming out of a di- different entranceway. They were acting different. It was just a very cool uh, thing that they had going, but they
1: kind of killed it too soon. Sometimes that happens because of, uh, you know, everything has a rotation and you don't want to burn it out. So whoever made the decisions that time, you know, I think they they did what it did. But at that time, the company was doing pretty good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We we're doing over a million viewers in Spike, on Spike TV. And way up there. No, one time, a million and a half. With Hogan. When Hogan came in one time, we had over two million viewers. And then back down again. And, but it stayed in between one and two for a long time. You know, when Jeff Jarrett left, that hurt the, the company because Jeff had a lot of input, and Jeff's got a lot of know how and knowledge in professional wrestling because of his father, he's a second generation like I am. And he helped his father promote too like I did. So Jeff has a lot of a lot of you know, a lot of get to know and understanding the promotion. And his global impact of I think is still it's still going. I haven't heard too much of it lately. But uh about three, or four months ago it was still going strong. So I hope he keeps he continues going because he's got he's got something good there too. He's he's he knows what he's doing.
0: Absolutely, and uh, you know, I think they're trying to get a TV deal, or, or you know, whatever is going on now. But you know, if you were to, see, you know, like you said, you kind of wanted to use your your consulting company, you know, to help the people in the business. If you were to, you know, help TNA, what do you think would be like the first thing that they would need help with? Do you think that the uh, the TV deal is an issue now with Pop TV, or you know, what do you think about
1: how you well, would, you know, the help right them grow? Deal. If I do that now, then I'm already giving kind of consulting, ain't I? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very right? true. Very true. true. You
0: can't, can't give free advice. That is
1: true. <laughs> you're not the first. One I've done this. Is a, thank God because I've done this is my fifth radio inter- interview that I've done. Uh, well, interview in the last three weeks, and uh, and it's been it's been hot for me for for, for a reason. Thank God. I give God the glory for it, but uh, 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 there's you know there's there's some things that, that could be done, and I see things in WWE that could be done. You know I, they're losing their viewerships too. You know you can't you can't you can't mess with the, with the, the audience. You guys are the audience. You guys are you know you have to understand that the pe- the people have a certain understanding of it. But then you, you know what you try to bring across that has a lot to do too. And how to do it, and when to do it, and all that that's consulting, and that's what you were asking me right now, and what I would do at the first thing. first thing you do is the first thing you do is you just you don't do nothing you 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 study it completely, and uh but a good person that that can see things can see things in one night that that some people that think they know it and they know it all can see it can't see it in years because they haven't had the experience yet. See, I had the experiences with my father and working working with him and making it go for 15 years. And I've said this before, and, and uh, the only reason we lost our TV deal is because the guy, forgive me for saying it, but it's the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth of this. The guy that was the owner of Channel 5 in Juarez at the time was a pedophiler. And, hmm. the, and the opposing company, which was the company that was coming in from Mexico with all the big top stars were trying to come against us, and we had our own wrestling stars. We had made our own stars on TV. We were out drawing them in the bull rings anyway, in Juarez. In so the only reason we lost our TV is because they started feeding him, well, I hate to say it, but, you know, young girls, because that's what that was. He was a pedophile. And the guy was the owner. And so guess what? All of a sudden now, you know, they're they're saying goodbye to my dad, and all of a sudden they got the show. You understand what I'm trying to say? Yep. So, yep. so it's like, okay. All right, what happened here? And then my dad was always an honest person, you know. And he, you know, he bowed out, and that's what the owner did. That's what it was. It's unfortunately, you know, we tried tried other channels, but it wasn't it wasn't worth it anymore. So my dad, I he, my dad turned it over to me. Let me let me run it for a while. I loved it, and it was going good. And what I mean is, you know, it hadn't lost its interest. We were still doing everything and doing it without TV. And we, were, we, weren't, we weren't drawing real bad houses. We were drawing, you know, three-quarters three quarters of our arena, which wasn't bad. You know, it was holding its own. And the guys were happy. But my dad wanted, my dad was getting sick, I could tell it. He was starting to get sick. And he wanted, he wanted to stop it. And I, he, even though he wasn't doing much, you know, he, he still felt that it was his responsibility and his name was out there. So I said, all right, Dad. So as soon as that happened, then I, I took off for my wrestling career. Eddie was a, oh Eddie was a little boy. He was a five six years old. I can't remember.
0: Huh.
1: Yeah, he was five six years old, and I remember taking him to the fair one day because I told my mom I said, "Mom, I'm going to be going." I said, "I want to I want to take Eddie to the fair with me." I took him in, and he we got up on these planes that would go around in a circle, right? And but they they were they were in a cockpit, and then if you turned if you turned the wheel, the whole plane would spin as it's spinning around. <laughs> he had me. He had me going around those, like, I wrote about five times. Man, I got sick. i tell him, hey, all right, all right, you had your fun now. <laughs> anyway, he loved it, man. He loved stuff like that. I enjoyed that kid so much. I, love him. I miss him so much.
0: You know, one thing you mentioned, uh, you know, kind of briefly, but you said that, you know, the Hispanic market is very important. You think that uh, maybe TNA or maybe even well, WWE actually just uh, resigned uh, Alberto Del Rio, so they kind of are good in that department. But with uh, Rey Mysterio kind of floating around and uh, uh, Místico is is kind of, I guess, back in CMLL. Do you think that maybe TNA
1: should be focusing on the Hispanic market? I would. I mean, you know, I, you know, but it's just not just getting somebody. You got to know what to do with them too, because. Hmm. You know, you know, you can have a Hispanic, but if you don't, you don't do it right, or you don't have the right person. You know, uh, or, I mean, what I'm trying to say, you. It's good that you look, Alberto real's awesome, man, and and but I, I know, I know they're gonna be able to do the right thing with him because Vince's got a good mind. You know, he did it with Eddie. Look what he did with Eddie. You know, and what he did with Mysterio. So Alberto's coming in; they'll get the Hispanic market again because. That's what the guy, the guy's got, the guy's got the goods. He's great, man. He's great. I've, I've watched him on TV. I've seen him. I've seen, he's the son of uh, Dos Caras, and Dos Caras and I used to, used to uh, uh, wrestle together in and, and many, many trips together. We did a lot of trips together, did tag teams together in Mexico, and, and uh, as a matter of fact, I met, I met Alberto one night in Mexico when we went out for, uh, you know, for a couple of drinks, in Mexico city when I went with TNA and that's right before, that's before he ever went to, to, uh, to Vince the first time. And I had a talk with him and, you know, just about you know, normal things in life and he, he seemed pretty good. So he's not, he's, 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 he's an awesome talent for, for the Hispanic market right now. He's a good looking guy too. He's tall. He's got, he's got a body on him. You know what I mean? And, uh, and He's look. He's one of the uh, what do you call it? One of the mascaros. You know, he can't. You know, one of one of the family. You know, he's it's in his blood. His uncles are arrest, rassaros. His uncle Mil and his brother Psicodelico. Then his father's a rassar. Dos Caras. So then, what does that make him? He makes him second generation. But he's still good. He's still he's still good with him.
0: Absolutely, and uh, he's looking. You know. He's looking huge right now. He's looking in great shape and
1: uh, hoping he gets
0: the, you know, the big push. But, uh, you know, as I kind of uh, move into the wind-down portion, I want to get back to, you know, you and and your amazing career because if you literally, you know, like and you and I've seen a lot of your matches, but even going back further, I mean, you wrestled literally everywhere. The AWA, you wrestled down there in Memphis, Uh, You mentioned Florida and Mid-South. Obviously, we looked at WCW and then uh, Jim Crockett Promotions. But you even wrestled for Smoky Mountain with Cornette. You were in ECW with Paul Heyman. I mean, you've been there, done it all. Japan, New Japan, all Japan. Uh, Obviously, you mentioned Mexico, Puerto Rico. I mean, it's crazy. Your career is, is insane, and, and how many great matches you were a part of. But do you have a favorite match or matches that you can kind of, you know, narrow it down to? I know you said you liked working with uh, Brad Armstrong, obviously, and uh, I know you actually teamed once with Andre the Giants, and you wrestled with Roddy
1: Piper. But do you have a favorite match or maybe matches in your career? Man, I look. Any time I wrestled, I I try to make him all my. I tried to make them all my favorite matches. So I would, if I told you one match, I would be lying to you. I, there's so many of them that are my favorite matches. And I'm sorry that I can't give you a strictly one. And I know a lot of people ask me this. So I'll tell you, they were all my favorite matches. Because in not every one of them, I enjoyed every bit of it. To me, to, me to get up in the ring was a joy to wrestle. And, and perform before the people, you know, and, and be able to hold the people in, in the palm of your hand and make them laugh or make them get mad at you or make them cheer or make them be quiet, you know. That, you know, and then even if, as I, when I went to Japan, because those people reacted different. They, were, they didn't say nothing, but they were into the match, I found out one time. Because they came after me with, with <laughs> came after I crossed the right. That's <laughs> one time when I went with Antonio Noki's group. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it it uh, it you you can see, you can see uh, uh, circumstances that that in matches that I loved and and I would I would I, I couldn't tell you of my favorite. There was many. I, I loved wrestling Eddie, my brother. I loved wrestling with my dad as a partner. You know, I loved wrestling with Chavo, my brother Chavo Senior. We were. We were one great heel tag team, man. We worked. We were. We were synchronized. You know, we knew each other. We knew when to do it. When to do, When to hold. When to. When to distract the referee. When to cheat on the people. When to cheat on, on match. You know, we. It just. It was natural for us. It didn't. It, same with Mando. Mando and I were the uh, AWA uh, uh, World Tag Team Champions, and it was so natural with Mando. I couldn't tell you. Same with Eddie. You know, uh, Junior wrestled with me in Mexico, and it was great with him too. I, it was, I, I, he was real, he was burly, he was real new, but I could already see the Guerrero in him. You know, being a, being a, you know, being a, a general in the ring, and that's what we are. We're generals in the ring.
0: Absolutely, uh, very well oh, I'm said. I'm sorry.
1: There. I, I'm. Forgive me. I'm sorry. I couldn't give you a straight answer, but there were. They've all been my my favorite matches. How's that?
0: Sounds good. Hey, it's hard to narrow it down. I can imagine uh, for you to be, to try to narrow it down. I mean, you've been a part of the business for nearly forty years. Can you kind of uh, think of a favorite place that you've wrestled? Would it be Mexico? Because you know, just going down the line, you have wrestled everywhere. Is Mexico well, kind look, of a, a favorite place of yours to wrestle?
1: Let me let me let me tell you. Seventy three is when I started, so it's forty plus years. But I, that was my professional career. I started in 1973 in uh June. If I remember I think it was my brother's birthday that day uh June 6th or June 9th. His birthday is on the 9th, but I think I wrestled June 6th. That was my first my first match in 1973. So then and then if you go back and you look uh, I I I told you that I was we were we were working out when i was in high school i i remember i remember wrestling for the for the for the wrestling team and then like on certain days of the week i had in the afternoons i'd go to Juarez, go over the border and then teach a girls wrestling class professional you know doing the lucha drills and teaching them you know all the basics in wrestling and then teaching them teach start teaching them how to wrestle you know how to grab a hole, how to you know a top wrist lock, a headlock, you know, a, a toe, you know, everything, everything from an ankle drop to everything to running the ropes even to fly, to you know flying because it's it's you got to learn how to fly too. When if you're doing lucha, you got to know how to fly. So if you look at it, it it's just it's 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 more than it. that's why I say in my in my consultation 50 plus years because it's it's I'm not I'm not lying when I say that. I might be 61, but it's been 50-plus years that I've been out there, you know, learning the skills and doing the skills.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned 1973 debuting. I mean, that's, you know, 40-plus years ago. It's crazy. You know, think about it. And you've had so many great matches and great opponents, you know, in that time. Can you think of a couple, you know, great opponents that, that you had that, you know, you kind of just always clicked with? I know you mentioned, obviously, Eddie and Brad Armstrong, but anybody else out there that you just, like, uh, you know, just really love to wrestle, you really click with?
1: Well, there was a lot of wrestlers in Mexico that I like, and there was a lot of wrestlers in Japan that I like wrestling with. So, uh, in America, God, there were so many, like Moondog Main. I tell you, Moondog Main, I love wrestling Moondog Main. And, uh, you know, as I, as I went through the years, I got. I had many guys that you know. You're gonna find guys that didn't like me because you know I was smaller. I was really the Ray Mysterio of my time because everybody was at that time was real big, and and I was thin and and I wasn't as heavy as I I should be. You know, even though I was close to 200 pounds, but everybody else was so much. You know, the lightest guys were 230, 240. You know, and they were bigger than me, and taller than me. So I I kind of had like a little bit of a disadvantage because of that because of the way promoters would already classify you you know I can't make him a champion he's too small, but you know I get up there in the ring and I could do all these things and I show them, you know that hey you know, I could pick up the big guys you know that was one of my first when they first tried me out in L.A. before my debut at the at the Olympic Auditorium, uh, they asked me to go wrestle and certain guys were there they were trying the guy from Mexico out I wrestled him. And uh, they were upset with him because he couldn't he couldn't find his and He was trying to blame me. And they said, "No, you're 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 not doing anything wrong, Hector. You're on time. Your your timings your timing's on. His timing's off." So uh, then they asked me to pick up all these guys and body slam them. So I'm picking up I'm t- I'm talking about I'm taking picking up two fifty, two sixty, two seventy. These guys are a lot bigger than me. I'm picking them up and body slam them. But yeah, I was in my youth, man. I was in my strength. You know, I was in my twenties too. So I, I, you know, I had some, I had some umph, you know, in, in my time, and so uh, if you go back and you look at all that, and you, you 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 measure out all those years, and then you see where you're at and how you how you you know, it was all it was all the a beautiful experience that God gave me, and I, I want to thank God for that because He really did give me a beautiful experience. I've got no regrets of my career, brother.
4: It's it sounds so great and it's so great to hear you say what you've said, especially with your devotion. And it's really it's just it's it's so nice to hear that and it's so you know, reassuring that you have such positive memories, especially with over fifty years in the wrestling business with your whole family, but what we like to do before we get to the plugs is this, and that is and I kinda asked it at the beginning, but let's just bring it all encompassed, the the Guerrero wrestling legacy at the end of the day. We've mentioned pride you know we've mentioned saying enough for yourself we've mentioned great in ring work but what is the guerrero wrestling legacy at the end of the day
1: wrestling with your heart man giving it all you got not making making every match your most favorite match how about that do you understand what yeah. i'm trying to say every match oh, yeah. is the most important this is the most important match and that's the way it was for me for me, when you know I got the orders from the promoter, you know you get orders and you do what you have to do, and then you know you talk with what you have to talk and who you have to talk to, and after that, what you go up into the ring and how you're going to perform, that's going to be the that's going to be the bottom line. But if you go there with a super attitude. Gene LaBelle gave me, Gene LaBelle, and I love Gene, and he's he's somebody that I respect very much and helped me out a lot in my career. There was others like S and my father, like I've told you, and other people that really helped me out. I'm talking about, uh, oh, my God, Red Bastine gave me great advice, you know, and uh, there are so many. Ray Stevens, all these great guys, and, and uh, Tory Funk Sr., Tory Funk Jr., Terry Funk, the Funks, you know, and all these people that, that I met gave me a lot. But uh, uh, at the end of the day, you know, uh, uh, it's what you did with that advice, and that's that's what that's what I at, at the end of the day, at the you know, going out and working and giving it all you got, and like I told you at the beginning of the of the, of the show, with with Kurt Angle's uh, explanation. If you give it all you got in whatever you do in your life, if whatever if you at least give it all you got and then if it didn't go, it didn't go, at least you know you gave it all you got. But if you don't ever give it all you got, then you always regret that, that you never did it and that you never never gave yourself that opportunity to do that. Well, every night that I did that when I went up in that ring, I try to give myself that opportunity. I don't I can't tell you that I thought this when I did it. It was just automatic in me. It was it was instilled in me. It was brought into me by my father, first my heavenly father in heaven, and you know through the anointing that he gave my father in his in his family, and then my father. My father was very very. Uh, he was very nitpicky with us, but he was a loving nitpicky dad. He loved us dearly, but he was nitpicky when it came to wrestling, even as an amateur. I, was, uh, I gave an explanation of uh, how, when I was an amateur, uh, you know, I, I pinned the guy in the third round, you know, if I didn't lose. I was happy to didn't lose, you know, but I pinned him in the third round. He says, hey, you had him in the second round. So uh, he goes sees another match one time, and then and it just happened that I pinned the guy in the second round. And then he says to me, hey, man, you had him in the first round. So I, one day, one day you know, he's has watching one of my matches, and then I pinned the guy in the first round. And then he says, "You had him in the first 10, 20 seconds, thirty seconds." I'm like, "Dad, is there any, is there any ever gonna be any, any satisfying you?" And he hugged me. You know, yeah, but you really did have him. And then he, he got down on the, you got down on the mat, and then he showed me where I missed it. <laughs> so, I had a father that you know that instilled the best in me to be the best, and in. Not being the best as far as a person, he instilled in us to make the the wrestling match the best. And it used to be a uh, it used to be a kind of like a between all of us all of us Guerrero's had different wrestling matches throughout the night. It was a competition. Who's going to have the best match of the night? And you got some competition when you got Mondo. You got some competition when you got Classic Chavo Classic. You got some competition when you got Gory. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Oh yeah, and so and my dad would rate us, and when he was, you know, when his matches wasn't the best, you know, and he said he he give proper feedback and 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 true feedback, without hurting our feelings, but he would tell us the truth, and we knew we had to we had to toughen up, you know, and if he did, he toughened us up, you know.
4: That's great. And actually, if you think about that with your uh, amateur matches, the next thing you would have to do is just beat them when they just walk literally into the little circle there. So that's, <laughs> that's all that was left after yeah. that. But, Hector, this has been absolutely phenomenal. We really appreciate the time tonight. And now that we know if we've got a wrestling promotion or we're uh, a company that needs some wrestling consulting to find Hector Guerrero, please give out that website again, but also tell them about the fabulous way they can get themselves their own Lasertron T-shirt, courtesy of Pro
0: Wrestling. Yours, please share Yeah, Pro
1: Wrestling Tees, man. Go to Pro Wrestling Tees uh, with a backslash Hector Guerrero, and then you'll have uh, two options. You'll have the Guerrero shirt, and then you'll have a uh, Lasertron, the amazing Lasertron. I love it. It's a great shirt. I got a couple of them myself. I wear them too. I love to. I love to wear them. Uh, and then also, uh, at my consulting site, it's dot Hector Wrestling Guerrero and G and then G U E R R E R O dot com, or just type in my name Hector Guerrero and then I should be one of the ones that comes up on on the on on if you Google me. So uh, that's that's how to get my on my. There's a consulting tab there and then you can you can read up on my website. I got some tributes and some old stories that I have on the road stories which I have some more to tell. I just I'm thinking about maybe doing a book. So if, if, so. <laughs> it might be an interesting time or put them on put them on the internet again put some more stories up there cuz i got all of us wrestlers we do we so many years on the road so many years living with each other and, and going from town to town and you know traveling so many miles together we we have a lot of a lot of fun times we did
4: yeah, captivating stories, and like I said earlier, you know, the, the your generation that is the lost art, you know, the the guys that really set the table, the stories that you guys have can keep people entertained for not only days, but months and years and millenniums, so uh, like I said before, we really thank you for sharing some of those with us tonight, and look forward to seeing much greater things from Hector Guerrero, so thank you very much.
1: Thank you, and thank you to all the fans that are listening, and thank you for this great show you got, man. All right, man. I love it. Two man power trip. All right. So you guys are great, man. Thank you. I appreciate you, and it's an honor, and a pleasure, and a privilege. Thank you very much. And God bless all. Thank,
0: Thank you very much. much.